This podcast is part of the TrekSphere network. To find more Star Trek related content, visit treksphere.com. As you know, this is the measure of an episode oh. where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes Star Trek proper Star Trek and not just Twin Peaks or uh, what hmm. we what we wanted from last week's episode, which is an episode where nothing happens. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And we judge these criteria. No, we judge these episodes. The criteria by which we judge these episodes. <laughs> I know the words criteria and episode were in there. Yes, <laughs> Put them in the right order. The episodes in which we criteriaize. Uh, number one, is there science fiction inherent to the plot or is there science fiction explored throughout the plot? Number two, is this science fiction novel or unique in some way? And number three, is there a ethical or moral dilemma uh, woven through the episode? Huh? Woven. Oldie but a goodie. I'm Paul. <laughs> And I'm Jonathan, and this week we went back to the beginning with Enterprise, where we watched the season one episode 16? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Okay, episode 16 episode, uh, Fusion? Fusion, that is correct. Uh, I don't really understand the uh, why it's called Fusion, but I have to admit I've forgotten the episode entirely since I watched it this morning. So... <laughs> I mean, it was an episode where nothing happened. Um, so the the episode was originally called Equilibrium, which I think makes a lot more sense because it was I guess about it's closer to making sense. It's still I mean, even Equilibrium is kind of still a, far away from the actual plot lines of the episode to me. Well, how right. did Equilibrium relate? Well, because it's about the the balance between logic and emotion. You know, that's, that's kind of, the a plot. Yeah. No. What did you think the Clearly. a plot was? I just didn't think there was one. I thought there was two B plots. <laughs> I mean, kind of. The the main story. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, without if this series had ended on the first season, for whatever reason, this episode would have been an episode where nothing happens. Like yeah. we are we are introduced to mind melding for the very first time. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about that. But uh, yeah. the blurb says Enterprise is on its way to explore the giant arachnid nebula when it rendezvous with a Vulcan ship that has been in space for more than eight years. Eight years. <laughs> An amount of time never measured before. <laughs> I mean, I can't even count back that far. <laughs> oh, Kess would be like, I wasn't even alive back then. That'd be funny if it was narrated by Kess. <laughs> my great-grandmother once told me before she died. It's funny. I was reading this, and my brain stopped working when they used the word rendezvous as a verb. Right. It looks – yeah. It's it's very – like reading it out loud, you have to realize that the S is pronounced there because otherwise you're right. It's just rendezvous. And Right. And I was wondering, is this is this me or is this them or is there some sort of weird grammatical – thing going on that i just can't my brain is not encountered yet as a 41 year old person <laughs> when it rendezvous like is should there so the s is only silent when it is a noun well no. yeah i mean it's so it's it's a french word that you're really not supposed to be using in that way anyway but so many people say we will rendezvous here right you know but rendezvous so we, means so we you get we together superimposed English grammar on top of a French word. And so right. it doesn't make any sense. Okay. Right. We are verbing a noun. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wonder, is this, is this uh, kosher in the, in the grammatical world? Because <sighs> is, is it okay to do this? Really not. <laughs> the other thing too, it, when you rendezvous, like both people know that you're coming. You don't rendezvous right. yes. into a stranger. <laughs> 
Yeah, a car doesn't make a rendezvous with a telephone pole. Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, unless you are really trying to downplay what happened. <laughs> well, unless you have proof that there's some sort of exchange. <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. Can we talk about this for the next half an hour? Like- <laughs> well, I mean, to, to go off on that tangent for a second, if you want to leave this in or not, I don't care. But it's <laughs> it's like reading, actually syllabicating out nuclear and saying new Q-ler. <laughs> and like reading the word as you're doing that and being like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, checks out. Right. <laughs> When you put an L and an E together, it makes a U sound. And then you have to throw that L in somewhere because it's clearly there. Actually, everything we just talked about makes more sense with the title of Fusion than this episode. I don't understand why it's called Fusion for the sake of – I understand the – oh, maybe the mind meld concept. Right. But nothing fuses in this episode. Right. Like it, it, so the, the episode was originally titled Equilibrium and that makes a little more, more sense because that's what they were struggling with. They were struck like uh, the episode could have also been called balance, um, you know, and because that was, that was kind of the, the main point of the episode was just these people who had quote unquote successfully merged their expression of emotions and their logic, but they, but ultimately they didn't. Well, well, fusion doesn't work because it implies the successful blending of two things. Why not call it meld? Oh, that would have been good. Maybe that was too on the nose for them. Maybe. We don't want to spoil the the bomb we're going to drop when we say like, have you heard of this thing called a mind meld? Right. Nothing happens. Which chronologically, this is the first time uh, a mind meld has been seen. Perhaps, but when it's presented to to Paul, she doesn't know what it is. Well, right. So these people are the first people to in, they invented the mind meld. No, they didn't invent it. Um, it's it's something that's been part of their culture, but it's been shunned because there there hasn't been a need for it. Oh, I and, just found that when that T'Pol would not have at least heard of it, uh, even if as something you're not supposed to do. Like anal. <laughs> uh, all right, you need to you need to strike this, but um, <laughs> do I? Yes. Uh, have you have you heard the joke? Why is why is anal sex like broccoli? Why you'll hate it as an adult if you were forced to have it as a kid? <laughs> well, it explains George Bush, doesn't it? Um, he notoriously hated broccoli and said it on said it on oh, speech. I did not remember that at all. Oh, okay, <laughs> I like the idea of just leaving that orphaned in your mind, though. Like, what's right. George Bush broccoli? No, yeah, <laughs> I was like, what did he like? How was he president? Yeah, I was. I was very confused. Um. Uh, this episode also establishes that melding is extremely uncommon among Vulcans in the 22nd century compared to later centuries and that at least some Vulcans have never even heard of the practice. Well, obviously. <laughs> it sounds a bit like a retcon to me, <laughs> you know. But they're supposed to be super smart. You think they would have heard of it by now. Right. Just well, what's, heard of it. What's interesting, too, is um, the she calls the, the, the people Vitash Katar or Couture, and this is the only time in star trek that that term has been established i seem to remember there being other shows or other episodes that deal with humanized vulcans or i guess vulcans who aren't so 
uptight. Right, but this is the first time where like this is this is the first time in the series, and it's the only time in Star Trek where those Vulcans who have more expressive emotions um, are actually given a label. Right. But but it's funny though, because it feels, even though this is the first time we've seen these types of Vulcans, it feels like the seventh time as though we don't know what else to say about these types of Vulcans, but we need to have an episode about it. So let's just come up with something and call it a day. It doesn't feel as though they put much thought into how to present these people as interesting people. I mean, the most interesting one of these Vulcans was the, was the Vulcan who the only way I can describe him as he looks like one of the guys from SNL, one of the, the more portly guys, <laughs> you know, which one I'm talking about. I Absolutely. think he's still a yeah. cast cast member. Yeah. Right. I actually thought for a second, like, is it that guy? And, but then I was like, no, this came out 20 years ago. It's impossible. Yeah. But that's so true. That's so funny. Well, yeah, I, I actually What's liked, that guy's name. Do you know, do you know that guy's name? Uh, John Harrington Bland. Who was actually a last-minute fill-in? Um, there was there was an actor who was supposed to um, who was supposed to be on named Kelly Connell, uh, and he he actually had to bow out because because he got sick. And then there was their second choice, who they wanted to have on, who couldn't do it because he had signed on to something else. And so so they they went for their third choice, and actually their first choice, the Kelly Connell guy, um, was on a Voyager episode, and he has that same kind of appearance. So, <laughs> well, it's such an unfortunate last name. It sounds like his name is John Harrington and the notes that the audition <laughs> people were taking was like bland. Anyway, that's uh, he was my favorite Vulcan of these uh, humanized Vulcans. These, I guess, more balanced, more fusioned Vulcans. Should we go to the beginning and start with the, the beginning or should we just kind of ping pong around this thing? I mean, nothing I, happens. Nothing. Well, happens. yeah. Like this is this is an episode where nothing happens. Like, <laughs> wait. Oh, I do have a note. This is very okay. interesting. I didn't okay. know that uh, Vulcans don't eat meat, or at least it's inferred that regular Vulcans don't eat meat. Because to Paul, when when the other fusioned uh, guy, uh-huh. uh, Vulcan guy, asks for the chicken, she kind of shoots him a look as though we don't do that. That's well, nice. yeah, she shot him a look, and then he even clarified. He's like, "It's meat." And the guy's like, I'm sure it's delicious. Right. So I'm assuming from that that they don't eat meat? Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've never heard that before. Right. I did not know that either. How are we getting all of these Vulcan truth bombs in all of these episodes so close together? We just learned a couple of episodes ago that Vulcans are telepathic. Oh, yeah. From Tuvok in that other show that we watch. That's true. Um, and now they, they don't eat, they're, they're vegan, I'm assuming. Maybe not vegan. But they don't eat meat. And... They don't mind meld until this episode, theoretically yeah. speaking. Well, yeah, he um, it is it is established in the original series that uh, that at least Spock is a vegetarian. Um, I don't know if it actually ever says that Vulcans are vegetarian. After our talk with about Tim Russ uh, and how he always kind of has that scowl, I I actually feel that Jolene Blaylock does a much better job of being a an emotionless Vulcan other than her usual like disgust of the smell and being around humans. Um, you know, she, she has a tendency to kind of make that face of, of like, I am swallowing down my bile right now. <laughs> she does do that. Or is that just a, a female thing? I feel like that's also a female. Thing. <laughs> could, could well be. I mean, she is yeah. hanging out with nothing but boys and it's, <laughs> 
Well, I think one thing she does really well is when the storyline calls for her to be vulnerable, that she imparts that really well without being overly so. Yes. And I like that part of her. I don't like her just every day. She doesn't, she doesn't ev- invoke, evoke? Man, I can never get to the bottom of those two words. I know you've defined them every time I have this problem, but I can't, I can't remember, what, remember which one to use. But she, she, in the same way that Tuvok is very good at the techno babble thing, but is not very good at the vulnerability thing, it's opposite with her to me. And okay. maybe that's because of the fact that he's a man and she's a woman, um, but or just their acting limitations. But yeah, like I never, I never buy that she's that she knows all of the words that she's saying. Right, a little bit like Bolana, you mean, as well. Bolana, yeah. Well, Bolana's better at it. I feel like I, I believe that Bolana uh, knows all the things that she's saying. Oh, and okay. I believe that Tuvok does. I don't believe that she does. It feels like she's. Kind of in the same way that Beverly Crusher was, that I never quite believe that she's in the world that she's pretending to be in. Right. All right, so here's here's my question, and this actually is kind of a, a more topical to the episode and um, uh, kind, of, kind of controversial. But I'm saying that, yes, this is a proper Star Trek episode because the dude – basically mind raped her and you said it first not me yeah i wrote it down i didn't want to say it though yeah and they played it off you know just like he put her in sick bay and he tells her like or he tells the the guy who did it leave and don't come back and that's the end of it like if this had been an actual physical assault he would have been put in the brig they would have absolutely brought the vulcan ship home to be to be dealt with the vulcan council or whatever it's called um, but because like, because it was mentally, it was just left alone. And I feel like sci-fi is the only place where you could have <laughs> such a serious action, have such a mild consequence. Well, and he does assault Archer too. That's true. And nothing happens from that. I think I'm inclined to agree with you. I didn't really know where to come down on this, that they played him sort of as a, you know, the hunky Vulcan guy who kind uh-huh. of, he's kind of hitting on her and she's kind of going for it. Right. And, you know, she agrees to be mind melded and he takes advantage of her, quote unquote. I was thinking to myself, is there subtext here or are they just trying to play it straight with, okay, this is just an assault, just a different kind of assault. I, I couldn't quite tell. Right. Um, but there's, there's no notes on it, but I, I agree. Like, I think, I, I don't, I don't think that the intention was to have it as an allegory. Um, I think that it just happened to play out that way very much so. I couldn't tell what they were trying to tell me with this guy. Because at, at the beginning, I was thinking to myself, this person is is the better part of Vulcans. Because right. they're not so extreme. They found fusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I love that he had that kind of amused look on his face. Like whenever she was talking about how uh, how they weren't supposed to do that or anything like that. You know, like he, he kind of had that look of, you know, I... It, it's cute that you feel that way because, you know, I remember when I felt that way too or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just didn't know where I was supposed to come down this. I liked that. I liked that there wasn't a yes or no or an obvious side that I was supposed to come down on. I don't know if I agreed with Archer at all. I didn't know if I agreed with him that he was treating this as a total assault and not really looking at the idea that, yes, maybe T'Pol was somehow injured, but – 
what, was she injured or was she just disturbed at her own capabilities for emotion? And I did even after she calls the sick bay, I was thinking to myself, oh, she's just calling for another shot because she's uncomfortable. Right. And that was the whole pitch of them was that, hey, this is going to be uncomfortable because you've been taught not to deal with these emotions your entire mm-hmm. life and have become quite good at it. And now these things are bubbling to the top just by not meditating. What does that tell you? And that made her very uncomfortable. And she seemed to never embrace that. She, she didn't even grow right. at all from right. she, she actually resets at the end of the episode. And I totally disagree with that scene where Archer says, now I understand why you meditate every night, which was something I didn't understand. I like truly didn't understand. What do you mean? Was it because you can become violent like the other guy? Was that what he was saying? Because that I disagree with. Because all the other Vulcans didn't just start murdering people, you know? Right. So what was the idea that what, why did he now finally understand why T'Pol meditates every day? Well, yeah, I mean, that, I, I guess I guess I just kind of took it in stride and I wasn't really thinking about it. But I thinking about it now, I think I think you're right. Like he he was kind of saying, like, if this is if this is how you act when you don't meditate, then you need to make sure that you stay on your meditation. Right. Maybe the allegory was meds. Right. Never go off your meds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I disagreed with him throwing every all of these different Vulcans who seem to be nice guys. Uh-huh. Like I said, I liked the SNL Vulcan guy. Yeah, he was cool, and well, he and actually had an arc. Yeah, that's true. He very much did. Yeah, and the captain and the captain was cool too. He was just very chill. Like he was only in two scenes, but right, but it was yes. fine. And yet he's like, "Oh, you guys are obviously bad news. Get the hell off the ship." Right. That didn't make any sense. You just throw the other guy off, and. Yeah, you're That's not you're not welcome on here while we make the repairs, right? Right. Or you have to go into the brig until we get to the bottom of this. Yeah. So I didn't understand this episode in in that sense of what the, what they were trying to say with this whole Vulcan thing. Right. I, I, but that that to me, I guess that's sort of the interesting moral dilemma. <laughs> that was it right what he did to T'Pol, assuming it wasn't sadokistic. Sadokistic is that a word? What am I trying to say? Sadistic? Masochistic? Sadistic. Sado new q lur. <laughs> yeah, just read the script, Paul. Read the script and you'll be fine. Yeah, so I, I because the idea to me was that, hey, these people are introducing you to a brand new world. They seem much happier than Vulcan seem right. to me. Well, yeah, so, and the other part of it too that I, I I got from it was that he was he was too eager to have her understand it you know like what what dr flock said it took him it took them eight years to get to the point where they are and she's trying to do it in two days like of course it's going to be a little uncomfortable and i get what you're saying um about archer kind of having an extreme reaction it just felt like the writing didn't know what it wanted to say well oh yeah no i completely agree with that but i think also archer was coming from a position that we knew what happened i don't think we would have been able to watch archer have such a mild response to such an aggressive attack on depaul um so like even though he wasn't there and he only heard it secondhand from depaul like he she was in sick bay we we needed to see archer have that elevated of a reaction to um to what Tolaris did. Yeah, it felt like it was more of a paint-by-numbers reaction than it was a thoughtful reaction to a, a very strange and complicated scenario. Right. Because we never get that scene between T'Pol and Archer where she relays what happened, and Archer has to balance or fuse the connection of 
uh, we have these very interesting Vulcans who are we've never encountered before, and they've been in you know in space for eons, uh, <laughs> as far as we can tell. And this for thousands kind of, of days. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. It just felt like we needed that that more sophistication in the plot. Yeah. And not just, oh, you hurt one of my friends, so you got to get out of here. You know, right. How many times have we seen that episode and just boring? Right, right. What if Archer had taken the other guy's side and been like, look, you agreed to do this. You know, like it made you uncomfortable. But they never set up like, why was she hurt? Was she actually hurt or was she just uncomfortable? Because she, she has the doctor in an earlier scene inject her with something that makes her not feel emotions anymore or something so i'm thinking to me so much myself who who has the problem here and granted i will i will say that the hunky vulcan guy was maybe a bit too aggressive maybe a bit too earnest and eager and him trying to convert to paul into somebody like him so that i understand but the part where he's immediately a rapist well and i I think also it's it it was played more in that manner than because if that wasn't the intention, then it shouldn't have gone in that direction, and they should have played it up more. Like they, you're kind of what you were saying. I, I agree with. Like they should have had Archer see her in the sick bay, you know, and kind of have Doctor Flock say like she, like she, she's under far more mental distress than she she has been before. Like her, you know, her brain is under incredible like trauma or something. Um, or you know, have the have the guy be like she. She knew what she was getting into. She wanted it or genuinely apologetic because like he didn't realize that she wasn't ready, you know, or have have the allegory <laughs> much clearer. It, you know, like I, I know that we kind of complain about like when it's thinly veiled. But when you're dealing with this, I feel like you kind of have to have to make it a little bit clearer. I feel like what poisons is poisoning this whole interesting scenario is the sex, the, the, the sex kind of hovering over and that we immediately, it's a man, it's a woman. They're both of the same age. They're kind of making moaning sounds right. and she has a sex dream in her, you know, her spank bank, <laughs> right? whatever spank bank she goes to. And so that's poisoning it, poisoning it a bit. Whereas let's say it was a woman who did this to her. And not that I'm saying that it can't be sexual between a woman and a woman, right. but you wouldn't have this immediate go-to of, oh, he's, he's attacking her. Right. He's assaulting her sexually. That you could explore this more interesting kind of assault on her emotions, I guess you could say, or her lack of emotion, her barriers to emotion. He's trying to beat them down. Yeah. Or she was. And instead of it being, oh, he's just raping her. That's that's the allegory. This is the thing we've seen a million times on television before. Right. And what if if we're gonna give the writers the benefit of the doubt that they weren't just trying to do a rape allegory for the sake of rape, I guess? that they were trying to do something more interesting, that that's what poisoned it was mm-hmm. this overhanging thing of sex. Well, yeah. And I, I, I think, I think it wasn't intentional because there's nothing about it from the time, you know, or from like interviews or anything like that. Like it's all more recent people going back to the series and seeing the allegory there. I did want to look up to see if the Hubble telescope and the arachnid nebula if that was a thing of the time when they were filming that they were trying to use in the episode, because we have that whole one and a half minute conversation about the arachnid nebula and mm-hmm. Paul, you know, calling him out of, on the whatever. Uh, I did want to look that up, but I didn't. And that's your <laughs> trivia for the day. <laughs> well, great. 
<laughs> That's why it's Trivia Tuesday, everybody, even though this comes out on a Wednesday. Well, yeah, we're just a day late on the Trivia Tuesday. Day late Trivia Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm sure there's somebody who listens to our show on Tuesdays. Like, like six, six days, days later. later. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Okay. Can you can you imagine just how the, how different this episode would have been if it had been kind of like just told from Trip's perspective and not Kess's? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we just want Star Trek to be per- perspective episodes? <laughs> like every episode is told from one person. <laughs> well, we always bitch about them when they are that kind of voiceover in retrospect. Right. They are modeled that way. I'm always like, you don't need it. You, yeah. It's never needed. The SNL Vulcan guy talks to Trip about all of the absurd misconceptions they have about humans <laughs> that like football's a match to the death yeah. yeah yeah i felt like they should have doubled down on that but it does seem and realistically it seems impossible that after youtube exists which youtube is in the past of star trek so right they have you know they yeah. have this database of human basically that after youtube any kind of absurd misconception would not exist about anything. They'd be able to witness these things with that are automatically, you could search for them, you know, football, type it into, you know, to YouTube. Oh, but I, I have to imagine that there'd be so much conflicting information about that. Like you would find football, ga- football games that were actual, you know, episodes, and then you would find youtube parody episodes where when they reach the touchdown they blow up right but most of the content i mean the, my point being is that there is a videographic 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 record of basically everything right and the idea even if it's not youtube it's something else space tube as it were i'm sure there's a space tube okay yeah it's called the wormhole <laughs> nice uh, and I think that you, there would no, there would not be these this, these misconceptions amongst two consenting races, unless they are people like the Romulans who are so agoraphobic and no xenophobic. What is agoraphobic? You're afraid of open areas, so space would be terrifying for them. Yeah, that's why they don't go out in it. <laughs> uh, very small ships. But the idea that. They're so xenophobic they don't they don't ever interact. But when you have interacting people and you can especially humans where they just broadcast everything over everywhere, there wouldn't be misconceptions, right? No, I, I disagree. I mean I think that because I think that any alien race who saw this, they would have they would have conflicting beliefs on which ones are real. You know, even if the majority of them were actual replays of football games, like you would have those small crowds who would say like those are just humans trying to to downplay how dangerous this game is or something. They're trying to, you know, demonstrate how the game could be played if it was if it was played without violence or something. I guess I, yeah. I mean I guess a good a good example of that would be do humans actually think that the their the earth is flat? Right. Because there's quite a bit of evidence to think for the, for them to think that there are people who say yes, but they would still come across people debunking that too so i don't know i I guess we'd need to this needs to happen (laughs) encounter a race it would it would be a fascinating social experiment obviously it can't be done but to have somebody like watch youtube and then be you know and then ask them okay so what what do you think of our society well how do you think our society works based on what you saw well i think they've already uh explored this in a little movie called galaxy quest yeah, but where, I mean that was just that, – that was TV series. 
Like, imagine YouTube being available. <laughs> it is funny that the Aliens and Galaxy Quest only have that video, or the, the video, the, the, what do they call them? The historical records. Right. That they only have those shows, but not all the other shows making fun of it. But where's the SNL version of them making fun of Galaxy Quest? And yeah. It's like, oh, maybe these guys aren't as serious as we should be taking them. You right. know? Or they're like super mad at them because they're making fun of these brave explorers. Upon coming to Earth, the first thing they do is assassinate all SNL people. <laughs> so I think we're at a – I'm at a yes, no for me. See, I'm – yeah, I'll have to say yes, no too. I'm, I'm a yes, yes just because it, it is what I wanted. It's an episode where nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just – I don't think the message was delivered – clearly enough and well yeah it's still opaque to me i still don't know what the message was if there was one well that's what i'm saying like the what fact the message the fact that the message is is unclear says that the message you know wasn't wasn't clear enough <laughs> <laughs> sorry that, uh, was there a message at all where was the discussion about why vulcans do what they do and i know this discussion has happened a lot over the course of Star Trek, but maybe drill down a little bit more as to what happens to Vulcans when they do abandon their sense of logic and their sense of repressment, I guess, <laughs> when they're repress, repressing all of their all of their emotions. What happens? And I guess this is what happens with this guy, mm-hmm. but that, that was just a one-off person. Right. And so why not have the, the conversation of, oh, we just get really angry and violent and that's why we do this? Put a little bit more dust on that, fairy dust, as it were, and show us a little bit more of a sophisticated look into why Vulcans do what they do. That would have been but, neat. Yeah, we're we're actually, you know, if we don't control our emotions, we have a tendency to to have very, very hot reactions, elevated and angry reactions to things. And so... And we could become very gassy. <laughs> and so, like, just <laughs> something else besides being super violent. Right. You know? Right. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> they beam in. Oh, I guess they didn't beam. Oh, by the way, I did like that. I did like that when they docked with the, the Enterprise. They had that little docking arm and everything. It was just kind of a, a nice little demonstration of, oh, this is earlier in the Star Trek and they don't have beaming. Right. They do, but they don't use it that often. And Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and it's, it's funny that they introduced transporting because – the budget wouldn't allow for them to constantly use space shuttles uh, to to get from planet to planet. Um, and now it's so cheap to do digital renderings of shuttling that, you know, setting as uh, setting a series before the original series where they couldn't use transporting, like they didn't even bat an eye at it. Although I don't know how much is models in the show versus CG. I think it's mostly CG. I don't think there are a lot of actual practical sets, but it would be cool to see them shuttle back and forth. I don't know. I would, I would like that. That seems like fun to me. Yeah. I don't, but, I actually don't think there are any physical models other than um, the originals for rendering um, in Enterprise. Right. Yeah. They were too far along. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, okay. So y- y- yes, 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 no. Uh, or yes, no, yes, no. No. Uh, yeah. Yes, no, yes, no. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's see what we're watching next then. Okay. The Star Trek, The Next Generation, Season 6, Episode 25, Timescape. 
Captain Picard, LaForge, Data, and Troy experience strange instances where either one or several of them appear to be frozen in time. How intriguing does that sound? Oh, well, so is this the one where time travels at different, like they, they hit time bubbles where time travels at different rates? I think so. Okay. I think there's something like that in this episode. That's not the crux of the of the plots, oh, plots okay. line. Okay. Is it plots line or plot lines? Huh? I don't know. Or should it be plots lines. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, is this the episode where Picard is talking about the seminar that he went to where the man just yes. kept talking in one incredibly unbroken sentence moving from topic to topic? It was yeah. quite hypnotic. It's exactly and data becomes hypnotized in that moment. <laughs> he just, his eyes just blue screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that one. It's it's a fun episode from what I can remember. So, right. Yeah, like I I remember the first 5 minutes of it, maybe 10, you know, where like they go to the Enterprise and Picard makes the face in the cloud and then has a mental meltdown um and that's that's where my knowledge ends. So Right. Which is usually the the most fun part of these high concept episodes is the setup to them because that's where the mystery is seated. Right. And you're you're just hooked after that and to me that's kind of where even the best of episodes uh go downhill for me. I always like the first act of any first act meaning in a three act structure, whether it's television or movies or whatever. That's the most fun of all the acts. I ne- never like the third act where it's just kind of all usually action and there's a lot of urgency, but it's it's more we gotta get out of here, you know, that kind of thing. Right. You gotta shoot the guy. Right. And that's less exciting for me. Yeah, yeah. The episodes where they peel back layers and you learn more as the episode goes on. Uh, rather than finding out the issue um, and then how do they solve it the rest of the episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's go watch it. Okay. I've been Paul. I've been Jonathan. And this has been The Measure of an Episode. As you knew.